Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, for for many years, they, and it's kind of legendary around the former players, they used to do two-a-days out at Shelby Campus. They didn't even do their training camp here. Shelby Campus is out in the East End. It was almost a tease to the players because they could see civilization. By Trent Guy. Trent Guy turns the corner. Guy breaks a tackle. Hands for the end zone. Touchdown. Good. Hard charging. And he stays on his feet. We're on a collision course for the national championship, and only very well is time. From the Pink Seats podcast, Jacob Lane, Vincent Lococo of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. We can't thank you guys enough for tuning in to another special episode here on the, the podcast. We continue along in Where Are They Now? And tonight we're joined by a very special guest, one that uh, the name will ring a lot of bells. Is still involved very actively with Louisville football and is an all-around great guy. Could not be more excited to welcome Greg Brom onto the show. Louisville's chief of staff, he's been with the, the Brom family, Jeff and Brian, over the last several years at Purdue, but has an extensive history not only on the playing field for the Louisville Cardinals, but also off the field, working in a variety of roles, both football-related and not football-related. He comes from a prestigious football family and is a guy who generally is as interesting as they come. Vince, I know this was a special episode for you. We joke on you a lot for the Trinity references and the Trinity jokes, but it is a it is an uh, an honor that you wear openly on your sleeve, and it is so cool for me as your friend and your co-host to see it in real time when Trinity guests come on the show. And so it was great to get to, to watch you and Greg nerd out over your Trinity days. Man, it's always cool getting to talk to the guys that came before you at uh, be it at any level, but uh, just with the the stuff that Trinity has going on and the brotherhood that we had over there, and just. That's why you go to a school like that, in my opinion. That's why I decided to go there is, you know, all the people before that and even hearing him talk about Flagey High School, like that was the that, that was the cool thing for me, man. Just hearing all these stories and all these people, you're like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, the first sons of Louisville football are finally home. It's like it's finally. And there is a lot going on off the field with Louisville football. Obviously, there has not been this much excitement, and it feels like quite some time. Uh, but tonight, we're stepping away from that to talk about the history, the stories of Louisville football. And, of course, Greg is going to talk about how exciting it is to be back and and how the family has really um, just kind of had this full circle moment. But we're excited to talk to our first Howard Schnellenberger player of the podcast show history. That is a cool thing for us. That was I mean, wild, man. I, it, I mean, something you don't really think about that much. We haven't had a Schnellenberger guest on. That's right. Private. That's right. We're going to age ourselves on the show. And, but as some of the older f- fans of Louisville football who have been watching since some of the names that we're having on the show have played, it, it is really a cool opportunity to talk to every era of Louisville football. But if you are not aware, Greg Brom played for Louisville football from 1988 to 1992, was a three-year starter at wide receiver, joined the team after being a three-sport star at Trinity High School, uh, and obviously played alongside of his brother, Jeff, for Louisville. Uh, J- uh, Jeff was the backup quarterback on the Fiesta Bowl team, while Greg was the 
starting wide receiver on that team that upset uh, that, or upset Alabama. And it's really cool to hear the story around that. Some of the context of how Louisville ended up in that game and the opportunity that Howard Schnellenberger saw it for the program and also saw it as an opportunity to, um, to promote a message much larger than football itself and much larger than wins or losses. So a lot of really cool stories on this episode. You're going to hear all the stories of Greg Brom and then how he eventually ended up being the director of operations and now the chief of staff for Louisville football. This is a great episode. We can't thank you guys enough for tuning in and listening to it. One of the first three that have been dropped at this point in time. So we would encourage you to go out and check out all three of those now. Uh, But before we get into that, subscribe to the show. From the Pink Seats Podcast, anywhere that you get your podcast, follow along at Pink Seats Pod on Twitter. Tweet us, uh, DM us to get involved in the show. Uh, and then, of course, be sure to check out the website, stateoflouisville.com. We can't thank our sponsors enough, Kearns, Kearns Corner, for uh, supporting and, and uh, helping us out here on the show. And, of course, always uh, encourage you to go and watch LNM Eats, Louisville, uh, State of Louisville, uh, on YouTube at the State of Lou. Be sure to follow the show there and and support those guys, members of the Louisville football program, who will someday get to tell their story of how they were involved in the program. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into it as Greg Brom joins the show. We are welcoming in Chief of Staff for the University of Louisville, Greg Brom. Greg, how are you doing today? Doing great. Great to be with you guys. My first question for you goes back whenever you all were at Western Kentucky. And uh, I was wondering this as a recruit, and I couldn't really ask you guys this, but uh, and I'm sure the players are curious too. Which one is Coach Brom? You, <laughs> Jeff, or Brian now at this point? So how, which one, which one is getting the, the title? Well, you know, I think actually the players are real respectful, and they, they called probably all of us that um probably my dad oscar maybe he should be the one who really gets the coach title but um yeah they're real respectful i mean sometimes occasionally just call me greg um and the the longer they've been around uh some of the older guys but um uh you know we all consider our everybody here is coach is a coach we're all coaching we're all doing uh, we're all doing a little of everything uh it's not like you have one job in our system or you do one thing and we compartmentalize everything. We don't do it that way. Everybody here uh, is contributing to, to winning. Okay. And we do what needs to be done. So if you have an input, uh, you might be doing a little bit of recruiting, a little bit of football, a little bit of operations. Um, you know, if you are somebody we trust, we're going to rely on you uh, more. And, um, so yeah, coach Greg, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever you think fits, but, uh, they, uh, players are always real respectful. So they call most everybody here coach. They probably might call you coach if you walked in. <laughs> yeah. That was always the go-to. If I didn't know somebody didn't know what their title was, <laughs> go with coach. You usually hit it. Yeah. You're really good. You're good. They like that. That's a title. Everybody likes to have really it. Uh, so I, I think everybody responds well to that. Well, speaking of coach, that's a great segue into our first question. And as we mentioned before we started recording, we we, we really are touching every era of Louisville football throughout this series. Where are they now? Uh, but you're our first player to play for Coach Howard Schnellenberger uh, ever to appear on this podcast. To me, that's a huge deal, uh, especially for young guys like Vince and I, you know, who were not alive during the late 80s and 90s. But I want to ask you, what what was it like playing for him? I have never gotten to ask that question before. Well, I tell you what, it's, it truly is an honor. 
to have played for him because I think he's one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. Uh, his pedigree is second to none. When you look at the people he is, he was tutored by going all the way back to Flash A High School here in, in Louisville, where my dad went. And he played for uh, uh, Coach Nellenberger, played for Paulie Miller, who was a legendary coach. And then on to Bear Bryant, uh, Don Shula, he was with, and George Allen, and various people that he, that he had the fortune to coach with. And, uh, you know, when he came to Louisville back in the day, it was a huge deal. If you can imagine if today a guy like Nick Saban took a, an upstart group of five program over. And, and that's kind of what it was like because he had just won the national championship. And I think he went to the USFL for one season. I don't even think the team got off the ground. So he might've been out for a year. And then Louisville was able to bring their favorite son back home, uh, a big coup at the time. And, uh, you know, he was larger than life. He was, he was old school, but he was a salesman. He could make you believe you were a lot better than you were. He was uh, ahead of his time in the passing game. So we were running a pro-style offense. And, you know, you look at the offenses now. At the time, we probably averaged about 25 passes a game, and that was like top of the – Yeah, that's football. some big numbers. Again, exactly. <laughs> it, when you look at teams throwing 60, 70 passes even sometimes now, but that was uh, that was a prolific passing offense in, in the day. And um, so it was – you know, he came here and we did everything the way – actually – it's kind of like he was like the essence of football, what football is all about. Um, we did everything, I think, the way you probably should do it. And uh, he he played the best players. It didn't matter your scholarship or where you came from. Uh, he liked toughness. And it was, I mean, it was like you were, if you've ever seen, you know, like or thought or read about playing for Bear Bryant and probably what it was like playing for Coach Nellenberg. He was a tough guy. But uh, he was a, a great man. I mean, he had great values. Um, and you always knew you, you were gonna, he was going to do whatever was best for the program to put you in a place to be successful. You always knew that. He had no other agenda uh, than to do that. And uh, slowly but surely, uh, the program was built. The foundation was built. And he, he just lit a fire under the fan base. Um, and you knew... And, and we'd like to get back to that here, that that even at the old Cardinal Stadium, uh, every Saturday afternoon, that was the place to be. There was no place else to be in town, that that was where the action was. That was where the buzz, the excitement was. And that was even when we weren't maybe doing, uh, you know, our record maybe didn't reflect it. We brought in the biggest names in college football, and we gave them all they could handle, and we beat a few of them. And and everybody knew that we were playing on a different, it was a different level that we were playing on. So uh, it was great, great experience. Um, you know, the, the things, the things and the, the two a days and the tough practices, and <laughs> I mean, they're legendary and, uh, and they're probably all true. Every story you've ever heard uh, is true, but uh, he was a great man. Y'all had us whenever you all had the alumni event in there and you all you were describing your all's days because the strength coach was there. I mean, myself, Mason King, uh, Blake and Creaky were looking at each other like, oh, man, 
we thought these two days with Coach Petrino were terrible. We could we wouldn't have lasted a day with this right here. Hey, hey, I, and I remember the Coach Petrino. He was about as close to the current day that you would get back to to what okay. we did back then. But um, yeah, when I came in as a, a, a freshman, and at the time, uh, you know, I'm from here too. A lot of people coming from far away. I came here, and after about a week, you're like, I'm like, where am I? You know, you you kind of lose track of what's even going on, but. We started off, the freshmen came in early. So you got three days with just freshmen. So I was a receiver. We had like three receivers for two, two practices a day for three days in a row. So three receivers running every route. So I was already tired when, when all of the veterans showed up. And then for five days, we did three practices a day, five days in a row. So like on day, on Wednesday, I was already on, on practice like 15 oh my uh, God. for the week. Oh my gosh. But uh, we finished it off on, you know, we did Monday through we Friday, three days, and then we finished it off with a scrimmage on Saturday. And I think I did, I think that was 21 practices in eight days. But that's how it was done. That's how it was done back then. And it really, you, you really had a feeling, man, if I, you got through that, you were a, you were a better person for it you were a better player. You were, you could get, get through any adversity that hits you. Um, and, uh, I think it made our team it bonded our team really. And it made us feel like that any opponent was not going, the games were easy. The games were easy. And that's what you wanted. They wanted the game to, to feel like they were easy compared to the work you put in, in practice. Now, now what characteristics do you and your brother take, uh, from coach Nellenberger? Uh, maybe his intensity, practice style, format, uh, things like that. What what do you all kind of carry over from that era? That you know, generation? we we think back to to that day a lot. Um, my dad reminds us of what Coach Snellenberger would say or do often as well. Um, and you know what? We, we even pull from Trinity and our experience there. So we pull from those experiences all the time. I would say, you know, Coach Snellenberger, every decision was what was in the best interest of the of winning. Uh, of what was best for the team, um, you know, our, our, you know, even taking the job at Purdue when we took it, it was more in the Schnellenberger model of I want to go build a program and not just go somewhere where they've always been good. I want to go do something that hasn't been done. So we, we even thought about it at that, that time that, that, you know, because there was some debate on whether to go there when we did or whether to take the job. And, and I think it came down to, you know, Coach Nellenberg, he'd take this job because yeah. he could make it into something. And I think even our attitude and, and, and mentality as far as that went, you know, we like to reward performance on the field. I think as he did, the best players play. Um, we, we value the toughness and the grit and guys we can count on and rely on. And, of course, the passing game. You know, I think the the offensive structure goes all the way back to things we did with uh, coach with coach and his system, and um, you know that that philosophy of being aggressive on offense, being a, being aggressive and and really going for the win. I remember when I was a senior in um, a senior in college, we opened at Ohio State. We opened with at Ohio State, and um, you know they had a roster. Even then, they had a roster of first-round draft picks. Kirk Herbstreit was their quarterback. Uh, Joey Galloway was on the team. You know, they had they had they had a, a bevy of just tremendous athletes. And we went in there, and uh, 
we made a drive down the field at the end of the game uh, to, we were down 20 to 13 and we scored with about 10 seconds to go, make it 20 to 19. And at the time, there, you, there was no overtime. So you, we could have kicked an extra point and tied Ohio State, which would have been a, probably a huge deal to yeah. tie them at Ohio State. But we were going for the win. And Coach Nelliver, we went for two. And uh, you know what? We didn't get the two. But that just set the mentality of the program that we're going, we're not here for ties. In fact, at the time, there was a presidential election. It was Labor Day weekend. So uh, George Bush, George, the first George Bush, yep. was uh, doing an appearance at the Bats game on Labor Day weekend the very next day after we played. And he even made comment in his speech at the Bats about the American way, going for the victory like <laughs> Coach Nellenberger did. And, uh, but that, that's, I think we take that from him, just that aggressive style, uh, playing for playing to win, not, not, not to lose. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, well, that's a, a great segue. That, that style is what really, uh, in my opinion, has defined Louisville football throughout the years. Um, and it's what I think the fan base is the most excited about in this new era is getting back to that excitement, that playing to win, not playing it safe. But Louisville football, where we were in the 80s and 90s, Greg, is not what Louisville football is now in terms of the big stadium, you know, the uh, the NIL, you know, all the things that go around recruiting, being able to pull in four and five star recruits. This is you, you mentioned playing at old Cardinal Stadium and, and playing in facilities that were, of, like you mentioned, a group of five. What are some of your earliest memories of Louisville football in terms of the facilities, the just the overall aura of it with the fan base uh, compared to how it's grown to where it is now? Well, you know, I, I, I remember coming as a kid to old Cardinal Stadium in the you know, late 70s with my dad. And, and you know what, even into the 80s with Coach Nellenberger, I think that we always um, perceived ourselves as, as we're, we're going, we're, we have a chip on our shoulder and we want to be in the big time. We want to play relevant football. And that was the, the main thing we, we were striving to do. You know, for, for many years, they, and it's kind of legendary around the former players, they used to do two a days out at Shelby campus. They didn't even do their training camp here shelby campus is out in the east end wow yeah you yeah. mentioned that at the alumni event that's a lot we were like some, what some dope field yeah. i've always thought about it'd be cool to play football there well yeah well it was almost it was uh it was almost a tease to the players because they could see civilization out uh, you know out on shelbyville <laughs> road but they couldn't get there they were they were all football at that Run point if you want <laughs> and uh you know so if you survived shelby campus you you had a badge of honor uh but <laughs> So, so they, you know, I, I got to hear right after Shelby campus day. So we practiced where the, the Hilton garden Inn is on, wow. on Crittenden drive. That was our practice field. Uh, we had some nice practice fields actually for the time we had pretty good football complex and, and practice fields and, and, and playing in that stadium, even as a high school player, you, it might as well have been, um, it might as well have been the Rose bowl to me. I thought it was big and important even though maybe if you were on the outside, you didn't think that. To us, it was a big deal. I don't care what anybody says. It has special charm to it, uh, the, the old stadium. But we always thought it was a big deal. And I think that was what, it was what the fan base maybe thought even before it maybe even was true. We're playing big-time football. And I think we willed it into existence, and so, so to speak, 
Coach Snellenberger, that's what we're going to play relevant football. We're going to, it's going to mean something. Um, you know, we're going to be part of the conversation. We're, we got something to prove. I think that mentality has driven our fan base ever since the the 80s with Coach Snellenberger on into all the other successes we've had going from conference to conference. And I think that's what they want now is they want to play games that matter. So, you know, that's what we're here to try to do. We get, we're going to play. We want our games to matter, uh, to to be part of the conversation and and to play for bigger things than than we have maybe even in the past. So um, facilities have come a long way. And uh, this stadium is is tremendous stadium. I mean, a tremendous step pro, pro stadium. Is this, is this the first time you guys have been back in outside of, I don't think you all, we played you all at Purdue in Indianapolis, right? So yes. you haven't been back filled in completely. This is your all's first time, right? Well, I would always get back for one game a year during our open week. I'd see you at the gym that week yeah, usually. I would, yeah. I would get back. So I've seen plenty of games here. And I don't think we'd actually been back inside the building since we left in 2008 or nine. Oh, wow. Uh, because there's been some renovations inside yeah. the football complex. Um, but uh, we've been around. We got all the sporting events. But it's really a – an impressive building as far as impressive a stadium. Um, and nobody has the comforts, I think, that that the, the fans get to enjoy with the chair back seats. And yeah. it's just big and prominent and it towers over the field. Um, and uh, we can't wait to fill it up and uh, see what that atmosphere is like from the ground level. Because mm-hmm. I've been in some fields, you know, when it's been filled from the stands and it's electric. Um, well, so I- looking forward to that. I'll tell you what, your 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 headset needs to be turned up on loud. Definitely 100%. Have it turned all the way up on max because whenever we played Notre Dame in 2019, I could barely hear a whisper of a play getting called really? in our headset. Yeah. So I love it. It gets rocking. It can, it can get there for sure. Well, it'll probably – Notre Dame coming back in this year. It'll be – Yeah, we're going to get a little louder level, this time around. Those, That's uh, right. Those decibel levels again. I'd love to hear that. Let's talk about the quarterback position. That's one that's obviously near and dear to your heart with uh, your brothers playing there at that spot. Uh, But I feel like when you talk about the position at Louisville, it's become more of recently in the conversation of quarterback, you right? Everybody talks about Johnny Unitas. They talk about Brian Brom, Jeff Brom, Chris Redmond, Dave Ragone, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, now Malik Cunningham. But the one name that I'm, I left off there, maybe you, you caught the name that I left off there. It was your quarterback. Browning Nagel, I don't feel like enough people give him his flowers in terms of the greats. Talk about what it was like playing with him and what he was like as a quarterback and maybe where you think he ma- matches up with some of these other names. No, I mean, Browning had a, cr- a great career. He had a great, uh, especially senior season, where he ended up getting drafted really high in the, in the draft. Um, he had a cannon for an arm, and he was kind of like, I mean, he had, he was, he kind of, he had a little Brett Favre in him. They were contemporaries, you know, at the same time, he had a Favre-like arm. He did. Uh, and he kind of had the swagger, maybe an Aaron Rodgers swagger. A, a bit. Um, he had transferred from West Virginia. He was a transfer in. Wow. Well, what, and that's uh, early. Did that happen a lot back in the 80s well, and 90s? Not, you know, he had to sit out of here. He, uh, Major Harris was the quarterback of West Virginia. I think that was a great quarterback there that instigated the transfer for Browning. And, um, I mean, he pulled off a, a 10-1-1 season, uh, you know, with uh, in beating Alabama. Um, you know, that was probably the first time Coach Snellenberg instituted 
the two quarterback system, you know, because Jeff was just starting at Louisville and he would get series every game and, and he'd get a little bit more some games and he'd get uh, one or two series every game. So it kind of started right there is that uh, two quarterback philosophy uh, that even happened with Brian when he came yeah, in as say, as be a br- quarterback. We got to be a Brom thing. At, we've used it at Purdue. Um, we, we use three quarterbacks in a game a couple of times at Purdue. Um, but yeah, no, he, he had a cannon for an arm. He uh, is a good guy. I think he actually lives here in Louisville still. Yeah, he, I think raised. so. I, his yeah. son uh, was two or three years ahead of me. Yeah, in high he was school. a St. X. Yeah, he was a St. X boy. He had moved yeah. to Memphis for a while, but uh, yeah, he, he had an underrated career. There's no doubt. So sticking on that Fiesta Bowl, I mean, you guys had an absolute squad uh, and, you know, people love talking about that team and it came more relevant uh, whenever, you know, 2006 Orange Bowl and then the Sugar Bowl. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Game uh, hey, no, no, you, that you mentioned he tried to leave off 2018 when they played Whoa. Alabama, man. I love it. <laughs> that was a rough year, man. That was a rough year for me. So I love to forget about that. So talking about those other positive times. Coach, what was it like uh, game prepping for, you know, the Fiesta Bowl and knowing the severity of the game and how big it is? Well, I tell you, back in that day, it was very hard to get into a bowl game, okay? It was very hard. Um, we went eight and three my freshman year and did not go to a bowl. Um, eight and three. What? So then we, we, we come back and we went six and five my second year uh, and didn't go to a bowl. So we, we were sitting there at nine, one and one didn't know what bowl we were going to. And I do remember there was a little controversy out there in Arizona because they weren't um, recognizing the Martin Luther King holiday. And some teams did, did, were not playing in the game, but I think coach Nellenberg took that as an opportunity. We will play in that game and we will, uh, we will elevate the message of Martin Luther King and, and, and uh, chasing the dream and, and the dream, you know, lives on and, or I have a dream. Um, he really promoted Martin Luther King and backed his mission during that prep to that game. So that was kind of part of his platform, wow. actually going into That's the really game. Cool. We're going to take it and we're going to elevate his message. So we took took that game on and getting in the Fiesta Bowl then, I think, you know, it was hosting national championship games, the Fiesta Bowl at that time. And we getting in that game, playing a traditional team like Alabama, um, great opportunity, great, you know, a great uh, experience for us to go to Arizona for that week. And our, I mean, our fan base came out there. They really did. And uh, I think we caught Alabama off guard with what we brought in that game. We were up big at the end of the first quarter. Um, And, you know, that Alabama team, you know, they won the national championship right after that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, they, they were, they were poised. (laughs) They were poised to, to, to be a great team, and we got them in that game. But it was a great experience, and it was the culmination of everything Coach Nolenberger had said when he got here he was going to do. And he did it on New Year's Day, um, and it was a very special moment. It was always cool hearing that story uh, growing up, obviously for my dad, but I also heard it a little bit uh, playing with Ralph Dawkins' boy. So it yeah. was really cool to get to hear it firsthand a little bit from Ralph, uh, always being around us and everything. Ralph was a great player. Um, he, he ran the ball just like his son did. Yeah, yeah. He, catch, he was a receiving. Back in, in, our, in our offense, it was the old pro style. We, 
two receivers, a tight end, two running backs, but the running backs caught a lot of passes, uh-huh. a lot of passes. And he uh-huh. might've been our re- leading receiver for the year. The That's what running I thought. Back. People always um, like to mention that. Yeah. yeah. So we were kind of running that kind of like the West Coast. It was kind of West Coast, but it was kind of <laughs> that type of deal. He was catching a lot of balls. We had a great defense. We had a tremendous defense. Ted Washington, yeah, Mark Sanders, yeah. Ray um, Buchanan, Ray right? Buchanan. We had guys everywhere on that defense. Um, and uh, it was a, it was really, really good team. I think we lost that year at Southern Miss um, to farm at Southern Miss. And we tied our first game uh, at San Jose State. We tied 10 to 10. Wow. But, uh, we won the rest. I'm sure that one killed coach having a tie. I know that one. Really. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't remember any details of, of that game. But hey, actually, I think we blocked, we had to block a field goal not to lose it. Oh, uh, my gosh. So yeah. Coming down to special teams. Look at that, yes, man. Yes. Three phases of the game for a reason. All right. I'm going to ask you this question. All right. It's early second quarter. You guys are starting to put it on Alabama. Your brother goes in and he throws a pick six. What do you say to him when he comes off the sideline? You know, with nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Nothing oh, at all. Hey, it happens. Quarterback, you you have you have to live with the ups and the downs. So it happens sometimes. Uh, you know that's why it, interceptions are going to happen if you're really if you're testing your if you're running the offense and you're kind of just testing to see what you can get away with and what good you can do. Okay, you're going to have to live with an interception now and then. But yeah. It, it wasn't, you know, it, those side things eyes, little side, like a, things I know happen. it's not like a noogie, but some side eyes, you know, I'm telling dad later. That was their <laughs> <early>. <laughs> No, no, nothing, nothing at that, all. That same uh, situation happened, you know to my I mean? gran- happened to my grandfather in high school playing at Flaget under coach Polly Miller. So his brother, uh, Jack was the running back for uh, Paul Horning's teams. My grandpa was a center for him. And uh, they were, they'd always drive down, hand the ball off to my Uncle Jack all the time. And then Golden Boy would run it in on a buck sweep or something like that in the end zone. End zone. And uh, my grandpa's like, hey, coach, let, let's give Jack the ball one time. And he's on the one and he fumbles it on the one yard line. <laughs> and, and he was a lot, he was a lot meaner than what you were to Jeff. That's for sure. On that sure. No, no, I no. love that. What a we good brother, man. We, what a good gotta, brother. Those, be- those things just bounce off. You got to move on to the next play. <laughs> We'll continue our chat with Greg Brom on From the Pink Seats. Where are they now? Stay tuned. I know we talked a lot about football and on the field, but what were what were the aspirations when your playing career was over? Was it coaching for you right away, or did you kind of want to get into the corporate world and go a different route? You know what? Uh, um, you you back the, you know back then you didn't you didn't plan that far ahead. I think as <laughs> everyone does now. So uh, you know you try to play a little bit. I did go to Canadian Football League training camp, but I ended up not making the team in Edmonton Eskimos, uh, the Canadian Football League. Came back, started working in sales, advertising sales. I've done I've done a little bit of everything. So I've. And I think I bring a little bit of that to this job because I kind of am outside the bubble view of some things we do. So I've worked in the corporate world, worked in advertising, worked in a little bit of real estate, taught. I've been a teacher at a middle school and a high school. 
Um, I've been on the radio broadcast team for Louisville football. I've done a radio show um, and, and a sports TV show even wow. uh, over the years. So I've done a little bit of everything. But uh, yeah, you know what? I thought I was just going to business coach on the side, but I got the opportunity to get back in with Coach Petrino, actually. And uh, I was very fortunate that he, he, he uh, and, and you know what? We, we, we do owe a lot to him and him giving us all these opportunities because he hired Jeff as quarterback coach. Um, he brought Brian in here. He hired me as the director of football operations because I had actually been interviewing him in the post-game radio shows um, <laughs> uh, for the radio broadcast. And I think he got to know me a little bit. So he hired me. And uh, just getting in that football system, it feels right. It feels like what we love doing. Um, so, yeah, you know what? I, it probably takes a while to figure out what you need to be doing. And it took a while for me to, to kind of navigate to – back into the football world, but I really enjoy it. And, uh, and, and even over the years, I think my role has progressed, especially with Jeff as the head coach, because I, I think being his brother kind of one year apart, I, you know, I can say things to him that other people can't. You know? So they're <laughs> not going to say things to the head coach that I could probably get away with. Just all my those- true opinion. He is good about taking input. I do. I do give him a lot of credit for that. A lot of coaches wouldn't take the input that he, uh, he does listen, but to people and, but uh, I'm able to have conversations, I think with him that other people, other chief of staffs and assistants and would not probably be able yeah. to have. And it's more a total of encompassing the whole program and what we're doing and what, what we need to do to put the best product on the field. But uh, yeah, you know what, everything, every experience though you have in the business corporate world, whatever, uh, you lean on that at some time. Um, it, it comes in handy. Absolutely. Well, Isaiah, you're talking to a fellow advertiser and marketing guy. I've worked in advertising now for going on about five and a half years, and I love it. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm fascinated by the role that you served with the Louisville Fire. And Vince will tell you, when I look for jobs, I look for jobs that work in marketing and advertising that also give me the ability to call football plays. I mean, who wouldn't want to do marketing during the day and call yes. plays at night, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? So tell me, can I please get a story of some kind from the Louisville fire days, Greg, where you were working your day job during the day and then had to go call plays at night at a game. Well, I mean, it happened to, it happened quite a bit actually. Um, and you I'm know, like putting out an advertising was, fire and you got to be like, sorry, uh, I'll be back in a minute. That was some fun plays. football. We had a bunch of former Louisville players on our team at the time. You know, Charles Sheffield, uh, Colby Clark, uh, Zeke Park. I mean, we had a bunch of former Louisville guys. Loved every one of them, man. It was great to be able to work with guys after they were done in college. They're trying to still keep the, you know, their their dream of playing football going. And and uh, we had great relationship with with quite a few of those guys. But uh, yeah, in, in in the minor league sports, you when you come up through the ranks, you learn how to do a little bit of everything. You learn how to do a little bit of everything, and uh, you know, and people are in and out. And I remember we did play one time on Derby Day. Okay, we oh, did. No. We had to play on Derby Day out in San Diego. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> you know, nobody wanted it. Was, it was going to be tough to even find enough players to go to the game. You know, who wanted to go to the game? <laughs> So in order to make it happen, we had to, we left the morning of the game on Saturday, Derby morning. We played that night. 
Uh, so we flew out. We just had to find enough people to play. Uh, but uh, went out and played the game, flew right back on Derby Day. Oh, my gosh. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, that was unique, a unique brand of football. I mean, it's still, you know, people are still – got a lot of people that star. Jay Gruden made his career really being a star in the Arena League. Um, Kurt Warner, the most famous, you know, yep. alumni of Arena football probably. But it was fun, interesting. I compared a little bit the movie The Replacements, you know, it kind of went, it was, that was not about arena football, but it could have been. Oh my um, goodness. That's great. It, it was just, it was fun. It was fun. It I was fun imagine. football. And we had some great memories uh, from that time. And the games at that time, we actually drew great crowds uh, yeah. uh, in Freedom Hall. Great I remember crowds. growing to the, going to those games growing up as a kid. It was some of my very core fundamental football memories was going to Freedom Hall to watch football games. I mean, at, at the time you had to explain to me as a five and six year old, wait, they play football inside in this little tiny arena. But I can remember some of the promotion, some of the events, the games were great. I mean, you talked about the Louisville guys on the roster. That was a big sell for people like myself growing up in Louisville football. Uh, I, I wish we could bring it back. I know that a couple of years ago, there was an arena team that started and it, you know, they always kind of fizzle out, but it was truly a special time when you had the Louisville fire around. And here, here it is right here, Greg, you're calling yeah, the plays well, and you're hey. marketing to my parents. I mean, you get to bring the, <laughs> both worlds together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it was, it was a great time. I know my, uh, you know, Will Wolford was the owner of the team and Dave Arnold, who, who works in, in down at the Yum Center now, and it was worked in a lot of minor league sports was part of the organization. And, um, we we had a good we had a good group we had a good good football sports people involved uh, you know we even had our games on TV yeah there was a great yeah. broadcast of the game Kent Taylor I believe did the TV broadcast and um, you know we 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 tried to make it as professional I think uh, product it, I thought it was at least growing up I mean y'all had me sold yeah, at least a little kid <laughs> you got the yeah. kids hooked in absolutely a lot of fun it was it was crazy it was it was a lot of fun. So, so let me ask, ask you this, uh, being around your all's dad, uh, Coach Oscar Brom, how proud is he of the three of you guys finally being back home? It seems like every time I see him, it is smile from ear to ear, and he can't stop talking about how awesome you guys are. So, Well, you know what? He is still a big part of our whole you know, football world, or you know, just in general, of our, of our family. He gives us advice all the time. Uh, coaches us every day. He gives us football advice. Nothing is off limits. He'll <laughs> during the game even he'll he'll pull me aside sometimes and oh my gosh I give us it. what he sees and he's I think he's a, he is a quarterback guru. He's a kind of a guru on quarterback. No doubt he's he's done well so at Trinity. He's really good at handling people, dealing with people. I think and players. But um, yeah, I think I think in some ways he kind of feels like his master plan all came to fruition. One hundred percent. You know, this was his goal, his plan the whole time. So he uh, he's wanted us this to happen. He wanted it to happen that first time, yeah. um, and uh, you know, he, it, we all knew this was the time. This was the right time. Um, but yeah, he's he feels really good about what's happening, what's happened, and. Uh, um, you know, so he he's he's all about Louisville football. He has been since I was a kid. He was taking us to games and, um, uh, you know, and he's it's it's, he's, it's he's, the thing. The thing about uh, 
you mentioned the calming voice. I, I remember, you know, probably more than one time in high school where I would get, you know, so frustrated and, and pissed because Coach Beatty said something or Coach Beatty did this or X, Y, and Z. And uh, you know how Coach was. And your old dad would come and put his arm around me. Yeah. He'd just give me that calming voice. And I guess because I knew that he knew my grandfather, I'm, it would essentially be my grandfather speaking uh, yeah. to at this time. And it would be the most calming voice. And I'd be like, all right, let's go play football. Really a very uh, – as a coach, he's one of the most optimistic people. Yeah. Like, he sees the bright side because sometimes we're like, oh, that man, this is looking terrible. We're yes. looking terrible. What are we going to – he's like – he sees the bright side, I think, on on coaching players. I mean, he can be tough now. I mean, he's yeah. tough and and he stands his ground. He doesn't mince words with us, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, he's coached so many different sports. He coached, uh, he coached, you know, football at the youth level, at the high school level. He was a coach on the Louisville Fire, baseball. Coached a bunch of basketball. He coached female sports too. He coached the ladies in uh, uh, college softball, uh, women's wow. college softball. Uh, and it was coach of the year in this conference. He coached my sister when she was playing. Not surprised. He coached Not a little surprised. bit of everything uh, and coached a lot of great players and a lot of success. I mean, he, he, he's got a good game feel for the game, like game, play calling, actually coaching the game. Actually, that's what we're here. Like the game does matter, like yeah. what happens in the game. So yeah. he has a great feel for that and uh, gives us great advice all the time. To this day, he's out here all the time. Now he's retired, uh, so he comes out here all. Yeah, the time. open is practices. He, is all he the retired way from Trinity though? Not is from he, Trinity. All right, good. So he's, still go doing tra- he's still going to do it. Got one more question here, Greg. Before we we jump into the the for the rapid fire portion, which is a great title here for this episode, but I want to talk to you about your Hall of Fame induction this past weekend to the Kentucky High School Sports Athletic Association three-way sport athlete. I was lucky to even be able to do one halfway okay, but you're talking about a three-way star, uh, a state champion, which, uh, you know, I asked Vince before, are you a state champion? And he said, I got two. So uh, <laughs> not to, not to, not to brag on Vince. A little coach, bit, that's just something it. you can say when you go to, when, I mean, when you go to Trinity coach, uh, only two, I mean, you know, was, that was a down, down period. Uh, that's right. <laughs> in recent memory, they only had two during the four years. Well, just tell me what it's like completing the, the, the trifecta there with your brothers and joining the Hall of Fame and, and what that's like the last couple of weeks, the fun jokes, but also the sentimental moments that you guys have experienced now being back home and all this kind of coming full circle. Well, very proud and, and very humbled by it. I mean, it was a great class that went in. I, you look at some of those other names and, you know, I'm like, wow, that, I'm, I'm going to be even a, included somewhere in that mix. That's really – it's. It, it's hard to believe, but guys like Dave Cowens, who won NBA titles, and uh, uh, George Unsell, Charlie Tyre went in on this class. Um, uh, Jared Lorenzen and Derek Smith uh, from Kentucky fame, they, they were in this class. Jermaine Brown was a great player. A lot of, a lot of great great coaches, and, and, and they had a cheerleading coach who went in who's been doing it for many years, great basketball players. Very proud of the, to be part, even mentioned, with that group. And uh, uh, it, it, it really makes me think back to <clears throat> it's, it's special to me, really, because of how special those days were to me, playing football at Trinity, being part of, of their, their athletic community and their school community, and how much of an impact that had on us uh, in everything we do, even to this day. So 
you know, there's nothing still, there's probably nothing like a Friday night high school football game and the electricity and energy around it, whether it's on Shelbyville Road, whether it's here at uh, Ellenden Stadium, uh, even the old playoff games when they had the old double headers at Old Cardinal on a Friday and Saturday night. That's how they used to do the playoffs. They were, it was like big time. And uh, so that's why I think it means so much. And those days really mean a lot to me. Um, and you know what, because of my family, you know, this is everything we do. It's a team effort. It's all the family shares and everything. And it's part of it really. Cause my brother was my quarterback. Um, my dad was guiding us, guiding us. And we got to do the same with Brian. My sister is a great athlete, but this all, my mom was a great athlete. I, it, 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 it's all a group effort. So that's why it's, it's so special. Um, so the banquet was, was really good and great. And, and I got to think back a little bit. I told the story, like, you know, the, you might, the Trinity St. X game was like the highlight. My signature moment was probably in Trinity St. X game. Um, when they were number one, they were actually the defending state champion. And uh, they had won 20 something in a row, 25 plus games, but real competitive high school football back then. All the Catholic schools were about the same. And the public schools, there were some powers in Fairdale was great. Ballard, uh, uh, Mayo at the time. I mean, it was a uh, it was tough to get in the playoffs. It only took two teams from each district. Oh, wow. Catholic school games counted in your district standing. Oh, wow. So it was tough, man. It was competitive, but we played St. X. So we were we were the underdog. And we started to drive the first quarter. Uh, we had five penalties in a row. I mean, we faced second and 52 yards for a first down, second down and 52. And uh, Jeff hit me on two passes, one down the left sideline for about 35 of it. And then on fourth down uh, behind the safety on a post pattern uh, to get us down to the one yard line. And we got in, the, he snuck it in the next play. So when we converted second and 52 and scored on the, on the, the team had the long winning streak. Yep. It kind of it broke their will a little bit and their confidence. And we kind of launched from that and we beat them 21 to nothing and uh, got to relive and tell that story a little bit at the banquet. And, um, but it was, a, it was, a, you know, one of my best memories from that time, but uh, great honor to be included with such unbelievable inductees and uh, very, very humbled that uh, they thought of me. Well, great stuff there. I, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing some of those details. A lot of learning on the episode tonight. When we do these, and a lot of times we know the history, we've heard the stories, but for Vince and I as young guys, this is incredible uh, learning I mean, experience. I That's right, man. Well, let's they don't jump teach in. that at Trinity. I thought they had a class, maybe. That <laughs> football. History, history, history is, is history right of Trinity after. football. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump into the final segment here. It's how we close the, the show on the series. Where are they now? now I was reading uh, reading on the KHSA induction, induction sheet, and they said that you uh, never dropped a catchable ball. So how many of the uncatchable balls did Jeff throw you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I caught a lot of the uncatchable ones. Now. That's right. Yeah, That's right. Hey, in a family of quarterbacks, if they throw it in the same zip code, they think you should have caught it. Oh, you better you know, have caught it. Yeah. In the same zip code as you. Yeah, no, Jeff. Uh, no, he threw. He 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 put it. I'm. I wanted him to always throw it to me more than he did. But, uh, <laughs> but he threw it to me a lot. I, you know, no, no. He 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 threw catchable ball. <laughs> 
Next one, what's your favorite thing about being back in Louisville? You know, you know, I, I really just like how, how good it makes our family feel, actually, to be back. And I love the fan support. The, the welcome has been overwhelming, really. It's heart, heartwarming and touching to us that people are excited to have us back. And, and we, we take that as we, we got we to gotta succeed for a lot of people. You know, and it means more doing it when everybody cares. You know, you know, you're not just doing it you just to, for W's. You're doing it. Everybody's invested. It does mean a lot more. That's probably just the the people and our friends and family being excited about it. It's the best part. What's the first spot you went to eat whenever you got back in town? The first what? First spot you went to eat at. Oh, you know what? You I, was, I, I was coming back a lot anyway. <laughs> hey, Mike Lennings is probably like a, a family spot we like going. Is Mike Lennings, you know, that's a that's a, a Sunday afternoon or something. Uh, that's the type of place that uh, – See, y'all are that Bernard like, crowd. You guys can come over to the J-Town crowd, and we'll take y'all to Pastime Fish House. Oh, I love Tommy. Tommy, yes, good friend of mine too. Yeah. yeah I think our family kind of grew up with Mike Lennings' background. <laughs> That's great. Who was your favorite Louisville football player growing up? Well, you know what? Uh, let's see. Growing up, back in those days, you had guys like, you know, you had guys like Mark Clayton. You mm -hmm. know, I remember Mark Clayton being a receiver and Otis Wilson was the linebacker. We had, uh, you know, when I was real small, I remember coming, Nathan Poole was a running back and Stu Stram, who Hank Stram was his father, who coached the Kansas City Chiefs to their first Super Bowl. Uh, Stu Stam was the quarterback. These are his names I remember coming uh, back then at that time. Um, but uh, uh, those were kind of guys I remember from those days of the late 70s, early 80s uh, that were really, really good. Ernest Givens, right before I got there, Ernest Givens, man, was exciting. He was an exciting player um, and uh, went on to have a great career in the NFL as well. But Ernest Givens was somebody that was, was – you, you pay to come see him play. Okay. So what's the, what's the favorite city you've traveled to for an, uh, for an away game since you've been yeah. in general? Well, you know what, uh, it, you know, as far as cities, I mean, we played a bowl game in the Bahamas. Oh yeah. Can't beat that. <laughs> We've done some, some great, you know, I, I enjoyed last year. We played a game at Wrigley field, wow. um, which was really neat, a really great experience playing in Wrigley field. Um, and then, you know, I think playing at Ohio Stadium is 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 something unique. Uh, I played in the swamp uh, in Florida when I was a player. Um, Ohio Stadium has a, a, a big-time atmosphere. That uh, we One of my best atmospheres when we were at Purdue, we played Louisville the first game in uh, Lucas Oil. That was and fun. That was an electric atmosphere, really. Uh, for that game, Lamar was still playing quarterback coach. Jair got hurt that game. Oh my gosh! I about had a yeah. I mean, we, we actually had we actually had him on the ropes a little bit. Yes, uh, he did. <laughs> we had him on the ropes a little bit, um, and we didn't know that was our first game there, so we didn't know if we were going to be any good or not. Um, so you know, after I think after that, we believed we might be able to be pretty good after that game. But uh, that's one of the better atmospheres I think I've been in. But in, in you know, as far as cities, we've got the fortune to go to you know various 
exotic tropical places. Which yeah, are always Pan and Jackson used to always come back and tell me about your all's boat trip to the Bahamas or. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. We did. We went to Miami a couple times. Yeah. And, uh, the, the Bahamas and you know, so we we uh, we were fortunate to, to to get to go to some of those places. Favorite played Alabama. We played a lot of different great stadiums too. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, and hey, can't forget about Shelby Campus now. I mean, that, that's the. <laughs> you know, that's what? I didn't, <laughs> I'm not a graduate of Shelby. That was the year before I got there. It was the last year. But yeah, nothing is like that nothing. from the stories we've heard. Absolutely. What's your favorite route to run as a wide receiver? I'm a big slant guy. They give me a hard time for it. You know What's your what? favorite route? I don't care. I think I was maybe known for uh, a little bit for going across the middle, but I that's not my favorite route. No, <laughs> it's not my favorite. You are getting – they had no rules back when I played about hitting the receiver, targeting the nags. It was encouraged. Targeting yeah, where where encouraged. would you want Jeff to put the ball in that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, they always throw it high. You know, <laughs> every quarterback, they throw it high on a slant. Um, oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, that's not my favorite, no. I, I, you, know, you, you like the out and up. You like the double move, you know, the out and up. That was – you give a little fake out, and that way you can get loose. So that's that's probably the favorite uh, route uh, that uh, I think a lot of receivers like that that one. But uh, I think that's probably my favorite. All right. Well, we haven't seen this in a while here at Louisville, so we'll, we'll ask you this: I formation or pistol? Favorite formation out of those two formations? If I, you I know, give you one. The, probably the the pistol. The pistol. Get the okay. back away from the the center a little bit. Man, Get I saw you all safer. go. Yeah, I saw y'all go under center at practice, and I was like, "What?" I'm like, "Oh my!" Oh, gosh. we're going to do that, son. We will do that. Uh, we will definitely do that, and we will run the ball too. I mean, we we kind of do the, some of the power. It's a power spread type of offense. I mean, we do some of the running, uh, downhill running type of system. So, uh, but I, you know, Jeff will even say sometimes I'm like, hey, I like that fullback too to lead that. Thank run. you, Greg. Yes, <laughs> you put some respect to my position. Even in the open field, I like. <laughs> if we're gonna run, let's get that extra blocker. See, so um, you just made my day. Better, better play action too. A little bit out of the under center, you can really uh, prolong the fake. Uh-huh. It gets people open. So we're gonna do a little of both. But I, but I think the pistol it does give the you run all the same plays, but the quarterback. Yeah, buys him a little more time. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. That'll wrap us up here. Where are they now? Greg Brom. Greg, thank you so much for joining the show. I know you guys are extremely busy, uh, but thank you so much. This has been an absolute uh, pleasure, and hopefully our audience will enjoy this. Uh, football, a few months away. It's going to be a long offseason, but before we know it, we'll be out there at Cardinal Stadium, Murray State, home opener. Can't wait. Greg, thank you so much, sir. Hey, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.